The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to The Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Joining me this morning, I have two guests joining me this morning. My first guest is Richard Greener, author of the Locator novels, which has been an inspiration for the new Fox series, The Finder. We're going to find out what that's all about. He's a heart transplant survivor, and this is his story. Uh, second guest is Dr. Eric Braverman. He's author of Younger Brain, Sharper Mind, A Six-Step Plan for Preventing and Improving Memory Attention. And he says the great design of the human body is to self-repair and the brain is no different. So we're going to find all about, all about our brains and how we can stay healthy and uh, not suffer from memory loss and all the stuff that happens as we age. But first, Richard Greener, heart transplant survivor and author of the Locator novels. Welcome to the show, Richard. Nice to have you on this morning. Thanks for having me. Well, I, you have quite a story. I, of course, know the story, but we want to tell it to our listeners. So um, you have written a series, I guess, of novels, which are now ma- are being made into a television series based on your own experiences as a well, part of it related to you being a heart transplant survivor, which was many, many years ago. So, well, it wasn't that it wasn't that long ago. I'm I'm uh, six years out okay, from six years from out. my transplant. Yes, but you started out as a very sick man at age 29, right, with congestive heart failure. I was diagnosed with uh, genetic heart disease at uh, 29. Um, uh, my father, having uh, died when I was only eight, um, I was unaware of this. Uh, I knew I knew that he had had heart attacks, but. Uh, um, I was uh, I was not uh, up to date on his health history. Not that it mattered, because in those days nobody knew anything about cardiology anyway. Uh, so at, at 29, I was told that uh, I, I had the same uh, uh, condition that my father had, and that I would meet the same end that he met, and that his father met. And uh, it turned out that no one on my father's side. Uh, no male on my father's side of the family had gone past 40. Right. Well, you're now 70 years old, so you have a very different story to tell. Yes, I do. Okay. So I, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about... I was, I, was uh, uh, I had just been promoted to vice president of a, of a national company. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our first child, uh, and I was determined that I would not let uh, such a diagnosis affect my life or my career, um, and I, I wasn't about to give in. So I, uh, I simply uh, 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 went straight forward. I, obviously, I took care of myself. I did all the things that the doctors told me to do, uh, but I, uh, I, I went forward uh, uh, full steam ahead, and except for my wife and my close family, uh, I didn't even disclose my, um, my health condition. I was uh, 
But Richard, in, for listeners who don't know this, I mean, congestive heart failure as a diagnosis is a really serious diagnosis. As a matter of fact, my father died of it at age 66, but um, it's, it's, it's a very serious diagnosis. So when you say you went on and as usual, um, that's not an easy thing to do, is it, with a diagnosis of congestive heart failure? Well, it depends upon your definition of easy, uh, not to sound Clintonian here, but yeah. uh, when you have no choice, you'd be surprised what becomes easy. Uh, I mean, I didn't really have an alternative. The alternative was to uh, uh, live whatever life I had as a sick man, and I wasn't going to do that. Uh, and, and while congestive heart failure is a life-threatening condition, uh, uh, from a practical point of view, what it feels like um, is that you uh, have a terrible chest cold. Of course, most people don't die from terrible chest colds, and congestive heart failure could kill you at any time. So there, there is some difference, but but uh, uh, it wasn't that hard to uh, to, uh, to to get away with uh, acting normal. But Richard, okay, so why is your story? You have congestive heart failure. You're determined you're not going to die at an early age, like your father and your grandfather. You're married, kids. So what makes your story unique? Why, you know, and how did you get into writing about it or writing about these novels, the locator novels, and now an inspiration for the Fox series? Well, you, know, well, what, you have what... to skip ahead many years. I, I did not write anything. I had, I had a wonderful career. I, I finally retired uh, when I was only 45 because I had just had my third heart attack, and I, I'd had two surgeries, two heart surgeries already. And I simply couldn't work any anymore. So at at, at 45, uh, I stopped working, uh, and I still didn't start to write anything. I uh, I was busy again trying to stay alive. We had four children, and uh, I I wanted to live as long as I could. Uh, I ran out of options in 2003, and by this time I'm over 60. So right, let's just say you were also you were in the broadcasting industry. Yes, right. I was. Yeah, okay. And, uh, uh, but I retired in 1988, and, and, by, by, and I kept getting, I got worse and worse. Uh, I had, I had a, um, a third heart surgery in the, in the 90s. Uh, nothing seemed to work for reasons that were obvious at the time, because there was no solution to this problem. And I was not a candidate for a heart transplant because of the nature of my genetic condition in those days. That changed uh, um, uh, after 2000 when new medicines were developed. So in 2003, I was told that I was out of options and I needed to uh, consider a heart transplant. And uh, I looked at my doctor and I said, heart transplants are for people who are dying. And he looked at me with a very kind smile and said, uh, yes, Rich, it's for people who are dying. And uh, that opened a whole new perspective for me. So I got on the list for um, a heart transplant, and it's, it's a long procedure. It takes a couple of months to go through all of the tests necessary just to get on the waiting list. And when you get on the waiting list, you effectively live under house arrest because no one knows when a donor heart will become available, and you have to be uh, near the hospital so that at any minute, at any time, they can call you and say, your heart is here, and you have to be there uh, immediately. So here I was sitting in my uh, my house in my little office here uh, with nothing to do, 
um, I could not lie down. I, I make light of having congestive heart failure, but in in, in truth, you, you can't lie down because your lungs will fill with fluid. So I did all my sleeping sitting up, and I ended up spending most of my time sitting in front of my computer. And there's only so much computer golf you can play before you begin to go nuts. So one day I looked at my uh, computer screen and said, I think I'll write a novel. And that's how the locator novels came to be. I, uh, I started at page one with uh, the Nolan Retribution, and I wrote the whole novel uh, uh, straight through, page one, page two, page three, until I got to the end. And when I wrote the end, um, I was sort of depressed for a couple of days. I, I, uh, I felt that I had abandoned my characters, and I, I told my wife that, that I was upset by this, and she looked at me, sensible woman that she is, and said, well, Richie, write another, write another novel. Use the same characters and write a second novel. So that's how it became a series, because I, I wrote the second novel, and I still hadn't gotten a heart. I, I'm a blood type B, which is very rare, and I, and I knew that getting a donor heart would be difficult, if not impossible. So can you just uh, give us a short, Richard, a short synopsis? I mean, most people... You know, waiting for a heart transplant, sitting there not wanting to get depressed in front of their computer because there's nothing else to do to say, okay, I'll write a series of novels, not always easy to do. What were the novels about? Just briefly, just tell us. The, the, the first novel, uh, The Nolan Retribution, is about um, uh, an E. coli outbreak, fictional, of course, uh, in, in which um, uh, uh, lots of people uh, lose their lives. And one survivor in particular decides to uh, um, uh, take revenge upon the people who made all this happen, uh, which includes the, uh, the, the corporate people who own the meatpacking plants, the Wall Street people who were in charge of the, uh, 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 the, the, the public offering on this company, and, and a whole series of other people uh, on the ground uh, who could have stopped it and didn't. And as he begins to take his revenge, this is where my main character comes in, Walter Sherman. Walter Sherman being somebody who can find anything. He can find people, he can find things, and people hire him to find uh, 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 people who can't be found. So Walter is hired by some of the uh, Wall Street people who are still alive to find whoever it is is killing them one by one. So this is the inspiration for this new Fox series that starts in, or started in January, The Finder. Yes, that, okay. that's where that's where the term The Finder comes in. Now I I called him the Locator, and the books are called the Locator books um, uh, uh, for reasons that uh, I, I guess are above my pay grade. Uh, the people at Fox decided to uh, call it The Finder, but right. the character now, Walter to, Sherman is 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 the same. He is a man who can find anything. Okay. But there's something else here in your story. Okay, not only are you writing books, but there's something that your wife did. Talk about this, like how she got other people involved to help you to, because you're feeling, oh, I don't want to use the word depressed, but, you know, you're waiting for the, your heart, you're waiting for a transplant. I mean, you really can get pretty down on yourself, but your daughters, I guess. Well, this, this is about what them. What did they this, do? This yes. is fascinating. This, this, is, this is not about me. This is, this is about my, my, my grown daughters. We have three daughters and a son, and, and they're all grown, and they were all grown uh, when, when this was happening. And nobody knew if, if I would live to get a heart. 
and and as in fact as I was writing, I I could not know from day to day that I would be alive to write the next page or the next chapter even. Um, so my daughters decided that it would be nice if people whose work I admired and and people's people whose lives I uh, uh, I admired and uh, if if they would call me famous people. And so without telling me, all of a sudden one day I started getting telephone calls and I would get one or two or sometimes three calls a day and this went on for months and months uh from from people who just called to to give me support and and wish me the best while I was waiting for my heart uh and just just to say hello it was it was an exceptionally nice thing for every one of them to do because there's no publicity involved in it. There's no benefit to them, nothing to gain. They were just a nice person calling up to say, hey, I hear that uh, you're, you're waiting for, for, for a heart, and I just wanted to uh, 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 wish you luck. But these nice people, Bill Cosby, Clint Eastwood, Mel Brooks, Oliver Stone, oh, Barack Mark Barack Obama. Gene, Barack Obama, Terry Gross, Tim Russert. I mean, how do you get those people to call you? I know you were in the broadcasting business. Was that the No, connection? I didn't get any of them to call me. That's the amazing thing about it. Now, some of them I knew from the broadcasting business, uh, uh, but, but that's just, uh, uh, j- just a small handful of them. Uh, uh, almost uh, uh, all of them are, were complete strangers to me. Um, and it, this, this is entirely the work of, uh, uh, of my daughters. How they did it is a... Um, I, I, I guess it's a mystery, except for the fact that um, my my daughter Barbara uh, does not know the meaning of "you can't do that" or the word "no." So if you tell her that uh, if she says, "Well, this is what I would like to do," and you say, "Well, uh, Barbie, you can't do that," she looks at you like, "Well, why can't I do that?" But she if gets this- that from you, aren't you the same person? Here you say they diagnose you with congestive heart failure, and you say, no, you know, I'm not going to be an invalid. I'm going to just live my life and go forward, which you have done, and you continue to do after all of this. Uh, so it sounds like uh, that's kind of a, it's not surprising, I guess, that your daughter's that way, considering well, you have I, that I don't same want to, I don't want to take credit for it, but, <laughs> um, um, but if, if, if I had any influence, that, 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 would, uh, uh, that would make me very proud. So how much did that help you? Because, you know, you're sitting, you know, when you get that kind of response from people, some well-known people that you did know, others that you didn't, was that, I mean, that must have been really uplifting for you? I mean, it was motivating? It was, it was, it was thrilling. Uh, uh, I, for instance, I was, I was in a, a supermarket with my wife uh, uh, going grocery shopping, uh, and uh, my cell phone rang, and it was uh, uh, Jackie Mason calling. Uh, I mean that 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 kind of thing happened every day, and and it really was uh, 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 when you say uplifting, it was it was quite thrilling. So and, besides and the doctors, and besides all of the help that you got medically, this all of this and this support from all of these people, I. Uh, you know, it was a, uh, spiritually and, and uh, helped you to get through all of this. What about, I want to go on, because then what happened? I mean, you're waiting for your heart transplant. Did, obviously, you got a heart. How, so what happened? Well, I wrote, I wrote The Noland Retribution, and then I wrote The Lacey Confession, and then I started a third book in the Locator series. Um, and uh, finally, um, uh, in January of 2006, uh, I got a heart. Uh, 
um, on January the 19th, I got, I got my heart transplant. Now, heart transplants, uh, for people who don't know, uh, uh, while they are uh, mysterious and magical uh, in, in terms of, uh, of the nature of the surgery, because after all, your heart is cut out, and, and that's, that's, that's sort of non-human. And, and then another heart is uh, installed in its place. But Where did you a, get the heart, and who did you get it from? Well, they did not tell me uh, uh, who my donor was. It doesn't work like that. You, 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 are, not a, you are not given the information as to, as to uh, who your donor is. I don't um, mean specifically the person's name, but, um, I mean, was this a young person? or do you I have got a, 29-year-old, a 29-year-old heart. From someone who died in what? In he died in, in, in a, um, um, an accident, a vehicle, motor vehicle accident. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, the night of, uh, well, the accident happened the night of uh, January the 18th, and um, on the morning of, uh, of the 19th, um, yeah, he became my, uh, my donor. But things didn't necessarily go smoothly after that. Either. No, that's, that's where I guess the, the story takes a, a strange turn because most heart transplant patients are out of bed within 24 hours and many of them are, are actually home in less than a week. And, of course, you feel better than you've ever felt before because all of the problems of being a cardiac patient are now gone. You have a new heart. Uh, this didn't happen to me. Instead, the, the surgery had complications, and they had to put me in a chemical coma uh, for five days. And then when they were able to finish the operation five days later, uh, I did not come out of the chemical coma for reasons that were unexplained. Um, I simply did not wake up, and I was in a coma for 38 days. And when I did come out of the coma... I was uh, quadriplegic, which means I was paralyzed from the top of the neck, just below the chin, all the way down. I couldn't swallow, and I could not move any part of my body except my head, which I could move a little bit from side to side. You must have been terrified. Um, I was more than terrified. I was, um, um, I was depressed. Um, I was in, in, I mean, depression doesn't begin to, uh, to explain it because here I was, uh, uh, fighting heart disease, um, and, and 30 years of constant angina and pain. And now, uh, I knew that I had a new heart and I knew that I was better than I had been since I had been in my twenties and I was paralyzed. It was, uh, I mean, I thought I, I, had, I had gotten, as one of my friends uh, uh, wrote, uh, 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 Richard has a new heart, and he's been sentenced to live it, live with it. So I, I thought I was going to be like that for the rest of my life. Uh, they had no idea why I was paralyzed. Um, you know, if anybody is a patient in a hospital and something happens, you want doctors to be able to look at you and say, this is what happened, and this is what we're going to do. This is our our course of action to get you better. Uh, they couldn't give me that because they didn't know what had happened. So in not know knowing why. what had happened, how did you recuperate? If they didn't know what caused it, or did it, was it just a spontaneous recovery after a certain period of time? I was in the hospital for six months. 
uh, I had a, um, a, a surgically implanted feeding tube because I couldn't swallow. So I was, I was nothing by mouth for uh, uh, 109 days and um, not even a drop of water. Uh, every, everything went through that tube into my, in, into my abdomen. And, you know, everyone, uh, people are listening, including myself, thinking, how did this man, how were you able to do this? How do you survive? Obviously, you had a lot of support from your wife, your three daughters, your son, and you must have an incredible stamina yourself, and I don't just mean physical, but mental, to be able to just, you know, as you say, you've been in pain all your life with, with angina, and, and then, you know, you think you, here you are, you get a heart, and then you become a quadriplegic, like... If, you know, we only have a few minutes left, so I want, and this is an inspirational story. I mean, what do you tell people? I mean, you were able, this is what, six years ago, and you're free of... I, I'm essentially normal now. It, 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 took, it took the better part of, uh, well, a little bit more than three years, but I, I now, uh, I was in a wheelchair for more than a year, then I, was, I had a walker for a couple of years, and I'm, I'm uh, uh, now, it would take a trained medical professional to notice any lingering neurological uh, uh, difficulties that I have. So my, my recovery has been miraculous. But what I tell people, because I believe it to be true, is that while exceptional things have happened to me, not just medically, but, uh, uh, I mean, who, who writes a novel at 62 and then writes a second one and a third one and manages to have them not only published but made into a television show? Not many people. <laughs> uh, no, not many people. So to, to go through all of that, I, I, I do agree that exceptional things have happened to me. But I am not exceptional. I don't believe that, that anybody else could not have done the same thing or would not have done the same thing. I recognize some people might give up. Um, but that was not my, uh, it was not, that, that was not my, my, I couldn't do that. I, I could have done it at 29, and I didn't do it. So why would I give up uh, at at 60? Why, why would I give up at 65, at four, when I got my transplant? I I continued to live my life as I had been living it for uh, for decades, uh, and and I like to think that I'm still living that way. Well, it sounds like you're still living it that way. As I understand that you also have an ebook entitled Trapped, which which is uh, a book about your new heart. Right, uh, Trap is a a short book. Uh, It's almost free. I think it sells for 99 cents on on Kindle and on uh, Barnes & Noble on on Nook. It's only available as uh, as an e-book. And it it is the story of of how I woke up and realized what had happened to me after my coma and after my surgery and and what happened for most of that first year. While I was while I was still paralyzed. So now you've written the second, or you wrote the series, and now you've written this book about waiting for your new heart. Well, you're an author, so are you going to continue to write? Are we going to continue to see you out there publishing? I am still writing. Um, uh, I, I the publishing business is not a business that I understand, uh, and I certainly don't understand television or movies. I have wonderful agents. And I would tell anybody who's thinking of saying, well, if, if he can write a novel out of nowhere, uh, uh, so can I. But that, that part is true. You know, there are, no, there are no rules for writing novels. Anybody can write a novel. Uh, you can write a bad one or you can write a good one, but you can't do it wrong because any way that you write a novel is, by definition, the right way to write a novel. So that, that part anybody can do. Uh, as for uh, the, 
the success of my novels until Fox, um, until 20th Century Fox became interested in them. I would say that they would rank as, uh, at best, moderately successful. <laughs> uh, well, how did Fox find you? I have good agents. So you really do need an agent. I mean, as you say, anybody you can write do a novel. It by it's story. impossible to do it by yourself. Yeah. Nobody, nobody can, uh, nobody can publish a book, and certainly nobody, uh, uh, nobody can get uh, uh, access to the right people in Hollywood un- unless they have a good agent. All right. So uh, that's that's a recommendation by Richard Greener. Um, you do need an agent. I mean, people do self-publish and just kind of let it sit there, but. Um, if you want to get anywhere with your book or you want to get it out there or be recognized, you do need an agent. So we have a couple minutes left, Richard. What do we want to leave our audience with? What, do you, what would you say? I mean, you have quite a story here. And if anybody well, wants to read that, about uh, the story, you can go to the tra- Trap. That's the ebook. You can go online and find it, and uh, it's Richard Greener. Um, but, yeah, leave us with some inspiring words. I think that... Uh, uh, the, the the finder which uh, uh, is is on Fox Thursday nights at nine o'clock uh, is not exactly like my books and the characters in the finder are my characters but they are somewhat different uh, but uh, I, what I would say to people is that anything that people want to do if if you're motivated well enough there's no reason why you can't do it. Uh, I have many people telling me uh, that they're amazed at some of the things I've done, and, and I seem to be the only one not amazed by it, because when I considered what the alternative was, uh, um, that was unacceptable to me. I think that's, that's, that's well said. What more could you say exactly? I mean, and uh, here you are now at 70 years old, feeling better, I guess, and being in better shape than you've ever been. I I am physically I'm in I, I'm in, I'm in great shape and I have a, a new publisher and a new publishing deal and uh, so I have a whole new career sitting out there in front of me uh, for my uh, um, well I was going to say my, my my later years but I've I've been in my later years <laughs> for a long time. Your uh, later later years. Well, people now are living to be a hundred and I think you're going to be one of them. <laughs> Uh, it's been great having you on the show this, sto- this morning. What a story. And, well, thank uh, we've, you for I've having me. I appreciate it. It's been great. Richard Greener, heart transplant survivor, author of the Locator novels, which have now been made into a series for Fox series, which you can uh, tune into. That I guess the series has already started. And you can also uh, take a look at his ebook, which is entitled Trapped, and it's the documented story about waiting for his new heart. Thanks so much, Richard. Thank you. Uh, Coming up next, we have Dr. Eric Braverman, and he's the author of Younger Brain, Sharper Mind, A Six-Step Plan for Preventing and Improving Memory Attention. We all can use that, I think at any age, actually. Uh, As I said before, Dr. Braverman says the great design of the human body is self-repair, and the brain is no different. So uh, don't go away. You're listening to The Catherine Zock Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. We'll be back in a minute.
friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Joining me this morning is Dr. Eric Braverman, He's a professor of integrative medicine at Weill Cornell Medical College and the director of the Place for Achieving Total Health, PATH is the acronym, uh, Medical Center in New York. And uh, he's been on many shows, including mine, the Tyra Banks Show, CBS, the Today Show. His new book is Younger Brain, Sharper Mind, a six-step plan for preventing and improving memory and attention at any age. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Nice to have you on this morning. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Uh, I'm here waiting to hear about my your new book, Improving Your Brain. I guess, okay. um, and I quoted you like in the beginning. I think it's the quote from you: "The great design of the human body is self-repair, and the brain is no different. So we can repair our brain even as we age." Right. Um, you know, I think it's almost. Uh, let me tell you the good news and the bad news. If you look at a typical forty or fifty-year-old brain, it's if you really study it, it's slowed down sometimes by two decades of speed, sort of like a, a fastball that went from 100 miles an hour to 80 miles an hour. It has shrinkage or atrophy. It has blood vessel changes. It has sometimes uh, a large percentage of the population has what we call micro-strokes, meaning they've already had some strokes and damage to the brain. Its metabolism's lower, and it's overall skills in the areas of verbal memory, visual memory, attention, vocabulary, finding the right word, thinking quickly, sleep, shutting off at night to sleep, getting started in the morning, uh, various forms of attention, impulsive attention, missed cues, missed uh, speed, you know, driving capacity, all these things are going sometimes south. The good news is that there is measurable as an arrhythmia of the heart, a blockage in your artery, a cholesterol, a good cholesterol test, an inflammation test, and we're in the process now of a new science of total human brain repair that we're actually going to get smarter as we get older. I want to stop you there because what you're saying, starting even at age 40, for many of us, we our brain is... Virtually everybody has changes. I mean, particularly women who have the hormonal changes. You know, 22 is the peak estrogen for women. And then by 30, 
two hormones called FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, are going already up by 40. Women are almost, everyone's really in significant perimenopause with drying skin, hair fat, uh, increased loss of muscle, insertion of uh, fat into the muscle, uh, changes in the brain where there's some shrinkage and some of the mathematical and logical skills are dropped in women and men, some of the emotive portions, and not necessarily one way or the other. It's just these changes are occurring. So we're able to slow them all down. We increase the blood flow. We preserve the muscle mass. We stop the neurons. And we have, you know, from shrinking, we stop the damage to the brain. And the long and short of it is that we are able with four great categories, drugs, uh, 25 different hormones, nutrients, and the lifestyle changes, meaning lumping with diet, exercise, nutrition, supplements, we're pretty much able to reverse almost any of these minor injuries so that we come up with a whole new, smarter guy. All right, Dr. Braverman, if we, you're, saying yes, this, you're saying this begins at 40 years old. If this begins at 40 years old and we're mm-hmm. electing or the potential for electing, let's say, just political presidents who are 70 years old, 60 years mm-hmm. old, 50 years old, who are going to right. be world leaders. Uh, I want you to maybe address that because if they have these decaying brains and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have airline pilots who can still right. fly so what you have is you have uh, improvements in judgment uh, that are compensating for uh, reduced periods of, at times, uh, learning capacity and attention. And remember, they've already learned through training. They have circuits in the brain that have been basically imprinted. So a lot of things like you don't really think about breathing much. You know, I think, oops, I forgot to breathe last night. Oh, my God, it was terrible. Although people do have sleep apnea where they're yeah. when they're asleep, they're not breathing. But as a rule, you know, most of us don't. And those who do, it's not all night, so you don't just pass out and die in the middle of the night. So what happens is the presidents and their judgment and the older people and their flights and the doctors in their 50s and 60s and the lawyers all have imprinting into the circuits that allow them to do their focused tasks extremely well but their overall capacities are significantly diminished and then fall off rapidly with retirement where people just basically, you know, like Ray, President Reagan, who, you know, clearly fell off quickly into dementia or other famous people and people that retire, you know, all of a sudden you hear that they're not functioning well. Uh, Charlton Heston was doing a lot of stuff. And, and what they do is they fall off rapidly. What's underneath that that quick fall that we see in our grandpa and grandma is unfortunately a 20, 30, 40 year process that is similar to heart disease that we all know your cholesterol is bad for a decade and we know your pressure is bad for a decade and then you got a bad valve for five years and that you have problems with your arrhythmia that happened when you were drinking too much or you didn't take enough potassium, you had too much sodium. So everybody knows that these chronic conditions just pop through. What people don't know yet is that the same thing is happening to the brain, and one person, it's 50 years old, it pops through. You know, you see guys like, uh, 
you know, actors uh, that that uh, just uh, Patrick Swayze, whatever, or some other actors that lose their brains in their fifties a little bit, and they get into addiction. Charlie Sheen types, who I'm not saying it's them, they go off the deep end, and we see them go off the deep end. So they're an early type of dementia, or that type of I'm not saying they have it, but that type of bizarre behavior in the fifties is associated with atrophy, microstroke, demyelinization, meaning loss of insulation, loss of blood flow, loss of hormones, and all of a sudden, the person has fallen apart in the hands of psychiatrists. Now, what they really need is a total brain repair the way we do cardiac repair. And that total brain repair is... If they're low in testosterone, we give it to them. If they're low in estrogen, we give it to them. If their blood sugar's off, we have a hormone there. Niacin, fish oil, we have a whole type of groups of hormones and treatments uh, that repair. We have vitamin D that helps the brain. We have, uh, by 40, almost every woman needs a little bit of estrogen inserted into her, usually vaginally, so that she doesn't spend all her money on creams because she's just going to be dry no matter what, unless you treat her. I have to stop you here because my question is, yeah, I am a really, it's interesting to hear you say this, and, but, uh, and, and I'm aware of, you know, that's what you talk about in the book, but I am such myself an anti-drug person. And one of the yeah. people, I suppose, yeah, is I know. Uh, the problem with that perspective, yeah. you know, is that we call that the medical Amish you know, what we mean by that is, you know, the Amish are still using horse and buggies and heaters and not electricity and no cars. Uh, the problem is that medicines still have a role. I told you they have a role in the, top, in the 10%, 25% range, but their role is this. They leverage your lifestyle choices. So, you know, Crestors and, and statin drugs, Lipitor, everyone knows, they're useful, but not without niacin, not without diet, not without exercise. Not, they, let, they have more value when they're combined with a well-being approach. And just like, you know, look, if you don't like technology, I always tease everyone here in New York, then why don't you swim across the East River with all the eels in dirty water? No, uh, instead, you do to use, the, yeah, you use the tunnel. I no, mean, I mean, and then I when women come in, you know, they come in and they say, I don't want to take a medicine, but, you know, they have technology purses. Nobody has cotton glasses. They have tech, metal technology glasses. Their hair's got technology adjustments. They're dermatologists and their plastic surgeon have done technology adjustments. Their home is filled with technology. And I call them medical Amish. You're not, if you're going to reject medications, if they're not, if they're used in a lifestyle plan, they're more powerful, more effective, and what you get is greater results. So well, you we're talking about that. a guaranteed 15 younger years for people, meaning intellectually, and I want to, before I get intellectually, I'm telling that I can get you 15 years back of memory, attention, sleep pattern, muscle mass, bone structure, uh, overall physical well-being, cardiovascular, and at the same time, reshape the pattern in which your brain shrinks, loses cells, and changes. And I want to make sure I give my number where people can get this in my website. It's 888-304-PATH, P-A-T-H-7284, 888-304-PATH, P-A-T-H-7284. And I have a website, www.pathmed.com. I'm telling you that we do this 
Everyone knows we do this all the time with heart disease. Patient almost dies of a heart attack, and we bring them back. We fix their heart muscle. They get this repair. They get that. Sometimes they have to have a stent, but usually not. And you end up with their blood vessels open. We lower their cholesterol. We cut back their plaque. We open up their carotid arteries. We improve their circulation. We lower their blood pressure. And everyone knows that you can rehabilitate a heart 15 years. What your audience doesn't know yet is we're going to rehabilitate their brain, their hair, their skin, their neurons. We're going to make them sharper than ever before, but they're going to have to fix the broken sections and go through some of my quizzes that are in my book, Edge Effect, pick out where they're broken. Is it in the stability section? Is it in the energy section? Is it in the uh, mood section? Is it in the sleep section? We're going to have to pick this out, make this happen, and know where their weaknesses are, and we can help them do that, and you're going to get a great result. <laughs> I, well, I have to respond to that because, as I said, sure. um, when it comes to brain capacity or being healthy or having a lot of energy, I, and I'm you know, the age category that you're talking about, and I think I'm way up on the scale compared to many of my friends. And this is just anecdotal, of course, but and not against medication when you have a condition or a problem, but as part of the normal aging process, I am someone who has thin, exercises, travels, does all the things, is engaged, blah, blah, you know, all of the things that help me to be a healthy person. And every many of the physicians that I have anecdotal are always wanting to give me a drug for something. And I, I never take it unless it's related to some specific Well, condition. one of the things we do in the book is we give yeah. a guide for every drug. So yeah. if you're on Wellbutrin, we tell you what you take for Wellbutrin. If, you need, if you're on Prozac or Lexapro or Topamax or Depakote, uh, or if you're on a drug for your bone density or a drug for your cholesterol, we have an alternative for everything. And most of the time, if you catch stuff early, uh-huh. you don't need a drug. So we well, you were, I want to ask with, about statins. I want to ask it because I have been reading so much about, I know, statins for everybody, and I always question drugs that are for everybody, not drugs that, are, are, that respond to a person's individual. Yeah, individual. listen, that's good. we call that Brave New World. In the book yeah. by Huxley, he said that mankind was in danger of being run by Big Farm and that everyone was uh, drugging themselves with painkiller called Soma. But what we're talking about is a new health for mankind, a new era of health and well-being. And that new era of health and well-being is tremendous, and it's going to be a smarter you. So you have to realize you've got to pause, and I assume you're in the 40s, late 40s uh, kind of area, and look at the 65-year-old women and you know that they're cognitively slowed down. They're just not thinking as quickly. They're not running a show. There's very few women running radio shows in the late 50s, 60s, and 70s. And you're going well, to be... I'm in that category. Be, I'm in the late. I'm not in the 40s. I am in that category. So, okay. it, Well, yeah. you've got to see. You got to be honest with yourself. Take yeah. a look at the categories uh, and look at the tests that are, you can do online or through us. And you've got to look at your changes in attention, uh, which is te- things that you miss, misplacing your keys, jumping the gun, interrupting, chronic anxiety states, not sleeping. Uh, is your memory as good? Do you visualize as well? Can you remember faces like you used to? Can you, uh, is your delayed memory after a meeting as good as it's supposed to? Um, what's your verbal processing? What's your uh, speed of thinking and reading compared to before? Uh, everybody's got 
some kind of what we call domains of intellectual function, uh, domains of thinking that are worse at 50. And you have to then go after that. Because here's what we now know. As soon as you start to get to two or three areas where you don't think as well or function as well, all of a sudden it's you're, you're very distractible or you're not sleeping or you're not as sharp or you're already at three. As soon as you get what's called multi-domains, meaning many areas of brain that's different than it was when it was 30, you're on the way to dementia. The multi-domain, the multiple factors of cognitive slippage mean that uh, if you carefully do MRIs and PET scans with the newest, greatest computers, and the beam is amazing, it's called brain map device that we have, which, you know, I'm going to give booklets out to everyone. If they can't buy the book or they're out of money, I'll just give them a booklet, 888-304-PATH, 888-304-PATH, get that book. I'm telling you that you're on the march to dementia. And virtually everybody by 60 for sure has pieces of dementia on their testing. So in other words, you already have to have some kind of dementia, shrinkage, metabolic damage, microstroke. And the same thing with your eye. Remember, your eyes are a piece of the brain. So when you, when you do these retina exams and you're on, on patients in their 50s and 60s, they all got vitreous detachment and they got floaters and they got little lacuners and they got uh, some wear and tear in the eye and changes in blood vessels. This means your eyes are going just like your brain. So that an eye is really a piece of brain tissue. So all you have to do is know, you know, everybody's vision. They got presbyopia. They can't read, you know, reading glasses. Your brain's going the same way. So everyone knows you're getting some heart disease. The difference is with the heart disease, they're doing something about it. We're going to do something. We got green tea. We got fish oil. We got antioxidants. We got coffee. We got uh, uh, whole grain vegetables, fresh fruits. We got sleep cycle. We got exercise increases blood flow. Different types of exercise. We got repair hormones that build muscle mass and repair hormones that build bone mass. And the brain's attached to a body. So if your body is a weak mess, you're going to lose brain function. So I'm talking that we're able to turn back 15 years on attention, memory, uh, depression, anxiety, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. And that's where everyone's going. So you're going to get a whole new change, whole new life, and the number to get information is simple, 888-304-PATH, 304-7284, 888-304-7284. Go ahead. Well, I, I think that, well, two things. The first thing is, and I am, as I say, I'm in that older category, but I think that my ability to remember things and to be able, my brain, I, I've been working on it in a different way. I mean, if you're interviewing thousands of people for 10 years, I'm much more focused and much more able to remember things. You talk about reading than I was maybe when I was raising my three kids and was far more distracted. So I, I'm not saying that your brain, and obviously it, it, it is deteriorating, but there are other things besides drugs that, necess- that will help you to maintain the integrity of your brain, number one, I think. Um, and number two, I do want to ask you, because this is a huge thing, and you mentioned the statins, and we only have a few minutes left, but as I've been reading, the statins, you know, you need cholesterol in your body, in your cells, you need cholesterol to help your brain to function, and this whole statin thing where they're recommending statins for almost everyone, doesn't that, by depleting the cholesterol in your brain, doesn't that cause you to have memory loss? Doesn't it do exactly the opposite of what they 
drug companies say that it does do in terms of helping you become... Oh, I, I, that's an issue, and I, I just, you know, we've got a few more minutes. You know, you're absolutely right that you should be suspicious that fixing one thing will cause trouble to another. Yeah. And without a doubt, that does occur in medicine all the time, that there's probably a depletion of serotonin by statins that may make people more prone to accidents. But there's ways to adjust that by sleeping better and to work on sleep hygiene. And that's why the new brand of medicine we're talking about in this book is a brand of medicine that accompanies brain health at the same time, cardiac health. Because if you use a medicine, you know, Indorel, you might ruin your, or beta blockers, you may ruin your sex life. And then if you use another medicine, you may use uh, a statin, you may get more depression. So without a doubt, we have to create a medical system that's not what we call blind man and the elephant that is really crazy, meaning that the doctor who takes care of your eye and your brain doesn't talk to your hip doctor, doesn't talk. So we, we have a center and a new model that does that. And that new model that does that is going to take into account a lower dose of medicine so that you don't have to fix things around the medicine as easily. So I like your suspicion. I agree with it. That's why we give niacin with statins and herbs with statins if we have to give them. We try to reserve the statins only for patients who have proven microstrokes in the brain or proven damage to the heart. We don't like to use them too often if we can avoid it. And if we do use them in an earlier stage, it's a microdose. In the case of all drugs, the goal here is to use a microdose and to leverage lifestyle. So the way it should work is lifestyle changes in diet, nutrition, exercise, plus taking little pinches of hormones that you lose with age add up to a smarter you that then when you add an exercise regimen, and you add another regimen, you end up with a new life. And that's it, a medication regimen, or a small amount of medicine add up to a new life. Well, how does, okay. let me ask you this, maybe we do have one more, well, how does this obese society fit into this? You're, you know, all the obese society fits into, we, we've discovered the hormone, and I want to give where you can get the research that we do here with the Commissioner of Health, that we do with the now, now Commissioner of Health in New York State, on leptin. It turns out that the endocrine disruptors probably in our society on pesticides, the lead and cadmium and toxic metals, the change in brain chemistry associated with television, uh, the damage to chemicals in the brain called dopamine, acetylcholine, endorphins, uh, and probably GABA all add up to a metabolically disturbed culture where you have now women who, even when they're five foot five, 120 pounds, are obese. It's called normal weight obesity. So they're really so flabby and they have such poor tone. That problem is very big about our entire society, which doesn't have a culture of health. And that culture of health gets back to the fact that we actually examine the rectum, the, the cervix, the breast, the vagina, far more than we examine the brain. And so this book is designed to teach you a brain user's manual and get you testing your brain. And if you don't test your brain, then you're going to be in trouble. So testing your brain is critical 
really, really critical to your life, and it's far more important than than a digital rectal exam of your prostate, and or even a colonoscopy. So I'm not saying you shouldn't do those, but you got to make sure that you get brain focused. Once you get brain focused and become a great observer of your sleep, your attention, and you know all these categories of missed attention, impulsive attention, impulsive, you know, you end up fixing it, and you can fix a person beautifully with Inderol or Beta Blocker or just supplements like Inositol, but everybody can become smart, quick, learning, sleeping well. The net result of a brain-centric culture is you're going to see 75-year-olds sharp as a tack and looking 25 years younger, and you're going to see an entire society go from the current electronic revolution of incredible intellectual output of the last 30, 40 years, you're going to get to another absolutely miraculous 21st century of, of, of fantastic, smart people. But you're not going to get there without all four resources, and they're going to have meaning medications, hormones, nutrients, lifestyle, uh, you know, and uh, hormones, of course. And you're not going to get there without applying those principles to the laws of society, whether it's seatbelts, helmets. I mean, look, when I was a kid, I'll just give you one example. When I was a kid, you know, we would play rugby in our backyards in high school football, and we wouldn't even wear, you know, kind of a helmet, but we would wear a, a plastic jock strap. At that point in our culture, no one wore a bike helmet either. We viewed the protection of testicles as more central to little boys and boys in high school than protecting their brain. So they would headbutt in soccer, where I have soccer players clearly having dementia. Headbutting with soccer balls is very bad for the brain. And you have enormous protection with the jock straps of men's testicles and women with their bras. and with their, uh, It's just insane that you should think that you're wrapping sections of the body that are sex organs up but you're not protecting the quality of life instrument that everyone lives with. You don't live with a woman's body. You live with her brain. I mean, you live with both, but the real interactions are how she thinks and what she feels, and all these come from brain and the rest of your body. So the future of relationships, the future of society, depend on a brain-centric, smarter you, and we're at that point where I can deliver that technology to everybody. Okay, brain-centric, smarter you. I think we'll say goodbye on that one, and I'll mention your book again, Younger Brain, Sharper Mind. Let me give you a number. Everyone gets a gift from us. We'll send you out some free literature, 888-304-PATH. They will love it. I have Life Extension magazines, Life Extension for the Brain. It's 888-304-7284. Or, of course, you just Google Dr. Braverman. I'm all over the place, and you can get the website, which is uh, www.pathmed.com. And... uh, I congratulate you. You're bringing a great show to everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Eric Braverman. You've been listening to The Catherine Zock Show, and I'm your social worker with a microphone. It's voiceamericavariety.com and World Talk Radio. Hope you had a good morning. Uh, Enjoy the week, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zock Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinesocks.com. 
Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox.